Theorizing that podcast audiences wanted to listen to two grown men talk about time travel, Nate Bowden and Brian Martin started a show dedicated to Quantum Leap. Together, they explore NBC's revival of the franchise, starring Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett, and its connections to the original series. They also examine spin-offs, such as novels and comics, as well as some mirror images in the form of television shows and movies that share creative DNA with the adventures of Sam Beckett and Ben Song. And so Nate and Brian find themselves leaping from topic to topic, striving to make sense of it all, and hoping each time that their next episode will be the one that goes viral. Oh boy, it's a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Nate, and with me is a co-host who's back for season two. It's Brian Martin. Man, hi everybody. How did we get here? I can't (laughs) believe we're here. And I don't just mean in the sense that it's been several months since we've gotten new episodes of Quantum Leap. I'm still in shock that this show is back for a second season. Really? You thought that it was for sure going to be canceled? or Nothing gets a second season anymore. I mean, I don't know how network TV works. Yeah, we've been down that road. I'm not sure that... You either get one season or you get 26. (laughs) (laughs) Very little in between. Yeah. (laughs) Supernatural. Supernatural had a long run. For a long time, I was joking with my friend who worked at the local CW affiliate station here. Because it was right around the time they were trying to reboot Charmed, and that Lois and Clark series was coming out, and it was like we had had Smallville, and now we're doing, you know, a different adult Superman. And I was like, how much you want to bet they start the reboot before the original run is over? It was close. It was very close. It was like the next season or something, right? (laughs) Yeah, it was. I think they really did start production on it. But here we are with the second season of our favorite time traveling TV show. Brian, what did you think of Loki? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I haven't watched that one. No, I haven't watched it yet either. I got to wait on my wife. I saw a promotional for it calling it the best time travel show on television or something. Oh, gee, that's a slap. I know, right? Shots fired, Quantum Leap. (laughs) Like Quantum Leap's taking any viewers away from Loki on Disney+. Plus. Right, it's like the Jets and the Sharks out here. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I am interested in it, though. I mean, that was one of the the Marvel series that was really pretty good. That was the one that surprised me the most, because I was feeling pretty indifferent towards Loki. Yeah. The series, the concept, everything. I was like, I don't know if I want to see this. But it ended up really surprising me. Yeah, it's one of the better ones, I feel like. Yes. Um, I am pretty interested, especially given that their uh, bad guy is a real sleaze bag. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And, and like, are they even using him anymore? Yeah, they're still using him. Oh, really? Jonathan Majors is still a part of all this. Okay. I mean, they got to be hedging their bets on that, though, right? I mean, that guy could go to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that Disney money, man. That Disney money will set you free. Maybe he's in that series. I don't know. But anyway, I'll be checking it out as uh, as soon as we get the the chance as a family to sit down and watch it. It's not one of those I can watch on my own. Uh, You have to force the family members to watch it. (laughs) Well, no, I can't watch it without them is the thing. Oh, you live in a very lucky household. Yeah, maybe so. No worries about watching Quantum Leap on my own. (laughs) Oh, yeah. How about that? (laughs) But, uh, how do we do this? First impressions or back to the program? Who accepted the nudge this week, Brian? The year is 1978. The location is somewhere over Russia, and Ben Song has leaped into Perez, who is an Air Force? Air Force. When he leaps in, he doesn't understand where he is at all. He was supposed to go home, and he's really pitching a fit about it. (laughs) In the bathroom. But very quickly, he comes to understand that this plane is carrying a mysterious cargo the ark of the covenant yeah i mean theoretically that's what it is right (laughs) and ben also quickly comes to realize that no one's there to help him addison is nowhere to be found his calls out to her go unanswered and he is kind of left to determine what he's there to achieve on his own for much of this episode 
And I don't want to say much more than that because I think we're going to really dig in here and there's a lot to talk about, I think. Yeah, to be honest, doing this episode by episode breakdown thing feels weird and different <laughs> now that we've done so many hiatus episodes. Oh, that's you know, true. Yeah. With like yeah. new ideas, reading comics, watching movies, all this other stuff that we did over the uh, summer break. And now we're back to the formula here and it actually feels a little strange. So I probably should have prefaced all of this with two things. One, how do you feel about it overall? First impressions, I was very impressed. Uh, feels like a different show to me. It does. Like, <laughs> yeah. It feels like... It feels like a show that is much more akin to the original series. I didn't get that vibe. In that all the things we were talking about throughout mm -hmm. the first season about spending more time in the leap, making those characters the focal point, right. and yeah. your leaper just being that uh, much this situational thing, all of that is there. Sure, right? sure. All, um, yeah, that, that much is true, absolutely, yeah. There is a lot more of that Beckett-esque anachronistic humor at work there. Like when he mentions MacGyver and they're like, who mm -hmm. the hell's MacGyver? You know, that right. sort of thing. Right. And he tries to play it off and there's a number of fun moments. So I felt like in spirit and in sort of execution even, it felt a little bit more like a traditional leap because I really enjoyed all of the characters in this leap. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I guess one fear that I would have is that maybe this is product of the fact that Addison isn't around. Mm -hmm. Very little going on with 2023, and most of that is in flashback. So basically the whole episode has been kind of on his own there. So yeah, that's the amount of time we've talked about. This is the economics of storytelling, and the amount of time that they have to focus on that makes a big difference. I liked, yep. I liked all of those characters. Every one of them I liked. The two kind of peanut gallery guys that oh, were man, back they and were forth. Great. Weren't they great? Yeah. What were those character names? I'm sure you got that jotted down. Ronnie and Enoch. Enoch. I remembered Enoch. But yeah, those two, a lot of fun banter there. So much fun. Yeah, yeah. All right, so. This was a great start. Really a great start. I mean, it is. It is. This group, I was like early on just hearing how they bantered and everything and understanding very quickly that these are people who for one reason or another have been shunned by the military right, right? like they are on some form of probation basically right i like that that's revealed slowly like they don't just like mm -hmm. lay out the fact that these guys are the washouts right it just kind of slowly dawns on you and exactly. i was exactly because early in my notes i say oh are these guys like the a team and then like maybe like 10 lines later i'm like Oh shit, these guys are like the A team, you know, because you start to understand what their background is. And it really does feel like an A team kind of episode. Yeah. Okay. Which is part of the reason I felt like I connect with it so much. But yeah, this show, this episode is very economical. It is a lot of what we complained about in season one was the overabundance of telling rather than showing. Mm -hmm. And that is almost completely gone in this episode. There are so many moments that are just the woman who is kind of in charge of this group, Greer, she'll just, yeah. yeah, she'll just sit there and stare for a moment. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of very quiet moments in an episode with a lot of chatter in it yeah. and also a couple really loud explosions. <laughs> it hits all the boxes, man. This is a really solid hour of television. Yeah, it is. It's a good start. They spared no expense. Uh, <laughs> One of my first notes was about the money that they were spending. I was like, okay, sure, they're in an airplane. And then, of course, the plane is crashing. And so far, all we've seen is the interior of the fuselage, right? And right. then the next shot has been waking up off the ground. And I was like, yeah, saving some money there, aren't they? And then, <laughs> like, the entire next scene is like an airplane exploding. They've got all kinds right. of things <laughs> going off. And I'm like... No, they really did spend some money, and they chose where to spend it and, you know, used it well, used the money well. But I think where we really need to start oh, is yes. the new Saga Cell. It's like, okay, so I kind of got ahead of myself, because first, I wanted to establish that this was a good episode. But second, I mean, okay, so are we getting a waiting room? Probably not. Are we getting a Ziggy with personality? 
Uh, probably not. We'll see what happens with that. But we are getting a brand new saga cell narrated by none other than Deborah Pratt. Deborah Pratt herself. That's right. When, when uh, that started and her voice came on, I just lost my shit, man. That's true. Yeah. This is it. I was like standing up and applauding. Not only is it a good one, unknown force. Yes. An We're back unknown to the unknown force. Yep. Yeah, driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. Yep. A lot of the same lines are there, but that unknown force one, it was like, yep. ooh. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That is what was missing. I harped on this through those last few episodes when they would talk about the accelerator took them there or the accelerators on my side or whatever. No, I'm hoping that this is a setup for the future. It's just. We don't know what's going on. And by the end of the episode, you see just how committed this show is to that idea. Yeah, I well, think. I think we'll come to that, right? 100%. Yeah, I don't want to get ahead of myself there at all. There's a lot of very familiar lines facing mirror images that were not his own. Those mm-hmm. lines are all there. Right. There are a couple very interesting new lines, such as Ben thought he would only need to complete 18 leaps, but something went wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that alone is all you need to know about right, season one. something went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not wrong there. That line about the 18 leaps, this feels like a soft reboot. Mm-hmm. It just feels a little bit like you don't need to go back to right. season one to really understand what's going on here. He's driven by an unknown force to change history for the better, which Boom. is also something they'd never said. No. He's driven by the accelerator to get back to his girlfriend. That was yeah. the saga self. To save one. his girlfriend's life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it was. But I think it kind of squeezed in an opening to one or yes. two episodes at the end. And we made such a big deal about it. Wow. It said change history for the better. This is the opening salvo to season two. This is a recommitment. Yeah. They have renewed their vows. I sure hope so. I hope that this is all the case. It's certainly yeah. the way it feels, the way it presents itself. Absolutely. I was thrilled by just that. Yes, that you know? alone was great. And in the opening saga cell, we are told that Ben did not come back. Right. So we already know, like, oh, shit. So we're going to get dropped into another leap. Any promise of him arriving back at the project, that's gone. We're not going to see any of that. Yeah. We're just going to keep on trucking. Right. So immediately. And good the first for them. Good yeah. for them. You know, you and I, when going back to our episodes, we're like, how do we do it? Well, you got to answer the question. They're like, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I commend them for that because I just, here's the thing. I didn't think they had it in them not to address those things. Right. I didn't think they had something this fresh in them last season. Is you know? it the same writing team? That's a question. I think the showrunners are the same. Right. Now, I don't know about the whole writing team, but I do know that this episode was written by Martin Garrow and directed by John yeah. Terleski. Jiro was the showrunner on the first season because he did that other show that we didn't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Writing With writing the tattooed episodes. woman or whatever. So, yeah. So, I mean. But, yeah, I'm wondering if it was a new writer's room. It certainly is a new direction. If it's not a new room, then what prompted them to change course? I don't know. Renewal? (laughs) But they got renewed. They got extensions. They got renewals for what they were already doing. Maybe it's just as simple as we had to introduce this mystery to hook people early on and prove to the network that we had a story to tell. Yeah. And they had to wrap it up. They couldn't just abandon it in the middle of the season. Right, right. Maybe their whole goal was to, okay, now we've got to pick up for season two, and we can really kind of make season two what we what this show's supposed to be. Or maybe they've just been listening to our podcast all season, Nate. I yeah, mean, that's maybe. That's also possible. <laughs> sure. In retrospect, now I'm like, okay, don't listen to our pitch for season two. Because I'd much rather not do that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh I don't like, know. <laughs> we didn't come up with something bad. I still liked no, no. our I was certain that they were going to pursue dangling plot threads and stuff like that. And oh, you mean like going down the... All that stuff is still in play. To be yes. honest, folks, you know, we're spoiling all this, of course, but really it ends with a big question. We don't know anything. Yeah, there is a big revelation at the end of this episode so that like, is very interesting. And I definitely want to spend some time talking about the implications of it because they sure. are things that we have discussed previously. 
what the space between leaps looks like. Right. 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 But we'll get there when we get there. Right. Last episode, we talked a little bit about the first seven or eight minutes of this episode as you (laughs) encountered them online. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think more or less that was exactly what happened here. (laughs) Yeah, it read differently than it aired, certainly. When I read that, I was like, Indiana Jones, not even close. Doesn't have that feel at all. It's just the A-Team. And I don't (laughs) even mean the TV show. I specifically mean the movie. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't seen the movie. Oh, man. You owe it to yourself to watch the A-Team movie from, like, what was it, 2010? Yeah, well, it's, I assumed if it was any good, there'd be a sequel by now. Well, it was vastly underrated and underseen. It's a real solid piece of work. I've gotten to the point where I will take your recommendation to heart, so maybe I'll check that out. But that? We'll do that in another episode. Yeah, <laughs> right, the A-Team episode on a Quantum Leap podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is it about time travel? No. Even that's uh, stretching it a little bit, I think. Yeah. Did Belisario have anything to do with the A-Team? No, nothing whatsoever well, at well, any point. Well, we've got no connection except the era. Mike Post might have composed the theme for the A-Team. Mm, maybe. I don't know that that's true, though. <laughs> Let's say he did. <laughs> All right. Did Mike Post. Uh, <laughs> we got to do a Mike Post episode. I think that was on the plan. Oh yeah, yeah. We got to do, we got to do a Mike Post episode. Uh, who made the A Team song? Uh, looks like it was Mike Post. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Does not surprise me at all. There's your tenuous connection. Written by Pete Carpenter and Mike Post. There you go. I think he made every show in the '80s and '90s. It was a real glorious time. Uh, We already kind of touched on this, but I'm just going down my notes here. And all of those characters that we liked, even if they're not fully round, realized characters, and I would argue that mostly they are. Yeah, they they actually... For an episode of television. um, They're pretty pretty are, yeah. Yeah, we definitely know them all. And they're all likable in the way that they're expected to be. It felt like original Quantum Leap in that the environment was sold to us. It was real. You yes. know, it wasn't a soundstage or whatever. Yeah, that was that real was another thing. It's like a real place, and we're outside. We're driving around. Yeah, I loved that. Each character kind of gets at least a moment yeah. to shine. Yeah, exactly. We are told through both action and subtle dialogue who right. they are, where they come from, what they've done. I cannot say enough about enoch and ronnie who are just terrific and i kept thinking back to the episode from season one stand by ben with the teenagers in it uh-huh. and that was like the one episode in the season where i was like i would like to see more of this group of kids right i'd like to see sure. what happens next to these people and i got the same vibe watching this i'm like this feels like a backdoor pilot for a totally different show and yeah. that's a great feeling for this show to have well you said the same thing about the lawyer one the lawyer one also felt like a backdoor pilot for a show. I could see that, certainly. You really become invested in their survival. Mm-hmm. It was like reaching the peak of this series because it was a lot like what the guy stuff episode. <laughs> what was that called? Oh, um. The one where he's on the. On the, on the aircraft carrier. Yeah, Not, yeah. The battleship. The, the battleship. Guy can't, stuff. Can't re- <laughs> well, that's what we called it. I can't remember yeah. what the name of the episode was, but it was another situation where I was really invested enough into the show. I wasn't necessarily on the edge of my seat like I was with the other one, but I was definitely leaning forward, kind of lost in the story. What is in the crate? What's going on with these people? And invested enough that I didn't see all the twists coming. Yeah, definitely telescope. amazingly hidden or whatever, but... I'm enjoying this enough that even the twists that they're throwing at me, I'm like, whoa, okay, yeah, I like this. Yes, yeah. There are a couple of situational twists. The biggest twist comes with the revelation of what is in the crate yes. that they are supposed to be transporting. Greer talks about how this is a mission of utmost importance for national security. Yeah. And she's not wrong. And it's her first real <laughs> mission, and she's in charge, and she's right. not going to fail. And she's got something to prove because she's, she's a woman in a man's job. In 1978. Yes. So it's a big deal for her, but it turns out the crate is full of bricks. That was an oh shit right? moment. Yeah. Yeah. What is this? 
are they special bricks? I'm looking at it like, <laughs> oh, are they Nazi bricks? Why are we doing this? But it turns out that they <laughs> Nazi are bricks. They're they're merely a decoy. Yeah. For another plane that is actually flying the artifact to and wherever it needs to go. They are a decoy, but our characters weren't even in on it. They were sold up the river by yes. the government. And, and that just... that again, I was like, that's where I put, oh shit, it is like the A team. <laughs> 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 even Greer is like, I cannot believe this is what they sent me on. Right. And that was a real low moment that required a Ben Song speech, a pick-me-up. Yep. So he's back to his old tricks. God love Raymond Lee. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I really kind of marveled at him in this episode because it's a tall order to make a lead character as likable as Scott Bakula made Sam Beckett. Yes. And it's right up there. It is. It really is. I, I right mean, after he gave that speech, I took the note, this show feels a lot more comfortable and confident. Yeah. And a big, big part of that is Raymond Lee. Yeah. He does a fantastic job. He's selling this character. And he did most of the first season, but he was elevating that material. Yes. And here, it fits him like a glove. The MacGyvering, the radio back together, these kinds of little jokes and things where he has to kind of explain why he said certain things you can tell he's a person that cares about doing the right thing just good job yes and he's got an extra i don't want to say challenging but he's got more moments to shine in this episode specifically because he's not supported yeah right there's nobody there for him to talk to that's why so much of these little comments slip out when right. he starts talking about, oh, the girl I'm engaged to. And they're like, oh, holy shit, you're engaged? You yeah, know? I thought you were an atheist. What do you mean you're praying? <laughs> he starts speaking Russian into the walkie-talkie. Yes. And they're like, they're like, what, what? how did you know Russian? He's like, oh, I've been going to like night school. And they're like, <laughs> I know you have time for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. And Russian was not the language he was speaking in season one, right? Didn't they say something about, I know seven languages or something? Right. Yes. So that's one of three that we know he speaks now. I forget what he was speaking in that first episode, but I, I was pretty sure it wasn't Russian. There's there's a great moment later on as they're getting ready to execute the final component of this whole adventure they're having. They have to gain access to a radio tower, and Ben starts talking about his idea for it, and Ronnie says, Perez, I can't with your Pollyanna stories. <laughs> like, there's just too much rosiness. Yeah. And you got a solution for everything. It's such a great... The interplay among all of these characters is just so, so good. Yeah, it really is. It's so, uh, There were multiple parts where I like legitimately laughed at yeah. what was going on. Yeah, it's a feel-good story. You feel like there are real stakes. What did you think of the uh, landmine scene? All right, so when it started, I was like, oh, shit. Fuck, well, this guy's dead. Right. What are they going to do here? And the character that is stuck on the landmine is Bailey, who we learned earlier had a falling out with a general, like pissed off a general, and that's how he ended up kind of on the shit list. Right. And Bailey, after implying earlier that he lost somebody that he loved very much, opens up in this scene about the person that he lost. Yeah. A Lieutenant Tom Miller. The military found out that they were in a relationship together, And as he said, exiled him to like the current duty that he's on. And he says, if this is the end, I needed someone to know our love was real. And that was one of the moments where if this was season one, I would feel like this was coming on really, really thick. Yeah. Well, it's because it wouldn't be earned. Right. Right. It would have just kind of been tossed out there. At this point in this episode, I'm like, oh, okay, All right. And then Ben comes up with the cockamamie plan to, like, gradually reduce the weight on the landmine. Like, you can trick right. a landmine into thinking that you're, you're still standing on top of it. Right. <laughs> Which works narratively. I don't know if it would work in real life or not. I hope I never have to find that out. Yeah. But I was willing to let the show have it. This seems a little silly and possibly not real. Yeah, right. But I am totally willing to let you have it. Yeah, exactly. Because it's... It's showing their coming together. It's showing them work as a team, showing them not leave somebody behind. It does all of these things about accepting who they are, accepting Bailey for who he is without having to say, hey, man, 
we don't care that you're gay. You know, like, (laughs) it's just like, okay, what they're doing may not work necessarily, but as far as the project of trying to save this guy's life, it's a worthy scene. I want to go back a second to where we talk about it being earned, because it was telegraphed for him pulling that wedding ring off the captain, you know, that had died at the beginning. So the pilot of the plane, as the plane crashed, was killed, and Bailey pulls the wedding ring off of him to take home to his wife. That's character stuff, and that kind of thing earns you the right to give a story about a gay soldier drummed out of the military in 78. It's those types of things. And for all the comic relief of Ronnie and Enoch, they're characters too. I have another question though for you is when Enoch is pinned under the wheel of the plane. Okay, I know where you're going with this. He says something to the effect of betrayal, claiming that he had betrayed his friend, and then he wouldn't give it up the rest of the episode after they saved his life, because, oh, I I was crazy. I was delirious. But that's never answered. It is never revealed. I definitely caught that, too. Like, why go down that road and then not... They mention at the beginning, but then they bring it back up. And I'm like, if it was just a matter of he's being crushed under the wheel and he says it and then it's dropped after that, I'm like, oh, okay, all right. I guess we have to take that at face value, which is the rantings of a guy being crushed under a wheel. But they bring it up again. Twice or something. Yeah, at least once, possibly twice. Ronnie won't let it go. Right. So we don't let it go. But then we have to. Right. Because we have to because Ben leaps out and, and then the episode's over. <laughs> and it seems, yeah. And it seems too significant because of the fact that they were all betrayed. Right. By their superiors. So I was thinking, okay, was Enoch either in on it or was he aware of it or something like that? But it didn't appear so. No, it didn't appear so. It's and... just a weird choice of words to say betrayal when they're all dealing with betrayal. Right. So I, I don't know what that was. So Ronnie and Enoch's background, they have a history together as smugglers, goofballs who who get in trouble occasionally. They got in trouble for allegedly smuggling contraband into Vietnam. And I wonder if whatever Enoch's talking about has something to do with that. And he doesn't want to say it out loud because he doesn't want to lose Ronnie or lose Ronnie's trust. But we'll never know. Or maybe we will sometime. I hope we see these guys again. Maybe. I don't know. It's a heck of a dangling thread to just leave there for a single episode. So who knows? Let's put a pin in it. Maybe it will come back. And let's remember that they are members of the Air Force. There's a history of military presence in Quantum Leap. Mm -hmm. This could come back. There could be something there at some point. Sure, sure. Hell, for all we know, Enoch's the guy with the dolls at Project Quantum Leap in 2023. (laughs) We don't see a whole lot of the 2023 gang in this episode, obviously, because they are not showing up in the imaging chamber. But the show starts to employ something a little bit different to bring the main cast in and have them be a part of this. And that's through Mm -hmm. a few flashbacks that Ben has. What did you think of the flashback device? I'm really on the fence about it. Okay. They didn't bother me so much as, do I really need this? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I did. I don't think that I need their relationship spelled out for me anymore. I don't necessarily need the data that he put in to see that Addison and he would be a good match. There is kind of a funny exchange there at the moment that that happens. Yeah, no, I mean... Where, what are you, in fifth grade? Yeah, what are you, in fifth grade? (laughs) Ian and Jen Yeah, adds a little something to their friendship, seeing them like this, but I get what you mean that, like, did we need to see all of this? Ian tries Addison and Ben out in Ziggy just to see what, statistically, the probability is. I don't feel like any of these were bad was... scenes. You know, no, I, no, like no. in at the start of last season, anything that they did in 2023 was just like, "Oh my god. Get back to the leap." And these weren't necessarily bad. I just don't know that we need them. For example, they were, the They were entertaining. They were entertaining. Yeah, they were entertaining moments. They were weaved into the story at hand, so they weren't just like random I went out to get coffee kind of scenes. No, I felt like what they were serving here was Ben didn't have access to Addison. She wasn't showing up. 
and he was kind of relying on his own memories to draw inspiration for what he needs to do in the leap, right? Like, that's right. kind of yeah. what yeah. they're there for. He's kind of filling in the gap of not that's having Addison I, yeah, with his that's own just, memories. That's think, where I you know? mean it was woven into the story. It was very Lost-esque in that regard, where Lost's flashbacks would be very related to what was going on in a particular scene in a particular moment. Yeah, okay. Part of me feels like this is for new viewers. Hello, new mm-hmm. viewers. Uh, this is the girlfriend. They do kind of tell you everything you need to know. Right. Yeah. yeah. When they put the data into Ziggy or to determine whether uh, Ben and Addison would be a good match, that was a cute little moment in the finale of last season. They say that I did this thing. Right. He says, I did this thing that's very me. And, you know, you've already imagined that. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see it. It's like, I don't need to see Han Solo make the Kessel run. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's fine. The fact that they did it, okay. The interesting wrinkle that they put in it, they did not mention that the results were 50-50 when they brought it up the first time. Right. So that was kind of fun. And you mentioned real early on that we don't have Ziggy with a personality. Mm-hmm. With a million gigabyte capacity, I'm quite capable of rubbing my tummy, patting my head, and doing a trillion floating point operations at once. That's a Ziggy with some kind of personality there. Because Ian implies that Ziggy is telling him to go with his gut. Mm, yeah, like that's true. it came true. up 50-50. Jen says they flipped a coin and it landed on its side. And here's <laughs> yeah. a computer that didn't just give you the actual data. It gave you a choice go with yeah. your gut and the yeah. com- computer yeah. made that choice not to spit out the numbers they were asking for that's a good point that's a good point it's a little bit of personality there and yeah maybe not with a voice but maybe that's how they'll give it some character the 50 50 thing also makes me wonder if there isn't a plan this season to add a will they or won't they kind of element mm-hmm. to ben and addison i have a theory about that yeah there's another moment in the flashbacks that I feel like tease up something to that effect. It's a scene where Ben and Magic are talking with one another. Ben is expressing misgivings about Addison leaping through time, which was, of course, the original plan was that Addison was going to be the leaper. Right. We saw her in the unitard. Yeah. She's getting fitted for it. And Ben asked, do you think when Sam got into the accelerator, he knew that he maybe wouldn't come back? And Magic says, it's hard to say. I just keep thinking about his wife and Al. And Magic says, they all knew the risks. Mm -hmm. So we're talking from the corrected timeline of Sam got married and still got in the accelerator, right? Right. And the thing that Magic says that sticks with me is that for the people left behind after Sam gets in the accelerator or after Addison gets in the accelerator, there is no adventure. There's just the longing. That line... And then the 50-50 with Ben and Addison, and then where this episode ends up, that's cooking something. Yeah. Yeah. Baby, you got a stew going. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have a theory about that that will come together when we talk about the end. Um, So far, I said mostly things that I really, really liked about this episode, but it's not without some critique that I have here. And I don't know if you have anything personally yourself, but I got a couple of nitpicks. Okay. All right. First and foremost being their mission to sneak into the missile silo, basically. Yeah, it was just a radio tower, I thought. Well, it was supposed to be. And then they find out it's a missile silo. Exactly. It turns out that it actually makes it a little easier to tap in to the radio and make a call to the fleet, right? And in doing so, Ben discovers that evidently the decoy thing has failed and... The Russians are on to them, and they're going to fire missiles at the other three planes. Right. Whichever one is carrying the actual Ark of the Covenant. Um. (laughs) I mean, obviously that's what it was, folks. Right. Had to have been. It wasn't Hitler's plates, for God's sake. You know, there was definitely something Judeo-Christian in one of those crates. (laughs) So their plan, then, is, well, we've got to save those three planes by blowing up the SAM missiles, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why not just tap back into the radio and warn them? Why not just call the military and say, hey, they know. Gramble your jets. 
they're going to fire missiles. You know, like, why wouldn't you start there instead of strapping a landmine to the front of a truck? I I wonder how close anybody was or if it would have been possible to stop them, to stop the missiles by other, I don't know, slightly more realistic means. It seems strange to me. And I also I don't think that missiles really work that way. The heat seeking thing. I mean, I think they do in video games. Yeah, right. I'm not sure that that's how heat-seeking missiles If you missiles disarm work. the tracking on them, they just find the hottest thing close by and just blow it to smithereens. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's video game logic. I don't know for certain, but I don't feel like that's how that works. <laughs> that's the same thing with the mine, though. You're absolutely right, because the mine and the missiles were the two things that I kind of said, you know, I don't know enough about this to be able to call <laughs> you a liar. <laughs> But I feel like I'm being bamboozled. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's like, I can't say that you're wrong, but I'm not sure I believe you. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the largest one, though, those are just kind of dumb nitpicks. I think that the thing that I really, well, I'll just lay it out because I don't know if it's a problem or if it's just me, you know, because it is me we're talking about. It's never explicitly said what went wrong that he's supposed to put right okay so he leaps before they're actually extracted by the helicopter or whatever so that leads me to believe that the mission of saving the planes was what he was there to do and i wish the implication was heavier that it was to save these people that we now care about Mm. you know what i mean we become invested in their escaping from russia And I thought it was all about getting out from behind enemy lines and making sure that these people live lives that were worthwhile. They get their second chance that Bailey was talking about. Mm -hmm. You want to see those things happen. And it's also not implied that that wasn't what he was there to do. Right. We really don't know what the purpose of the leap was. Except that it was finished after the missiles blew up. They still had to trek through enemy lines five clicks to the extraction site. Right. So the safety of these people may not necessarily be what he was there to do. Well, I also wonder, with this, again, being a military mission, Mm -hmm. if, in fact, the mission failed all around the first time. Those guys died the planes were shot down, it all went to shit, right? Yeah, right. It isn't until the leap is a success that Ben is able to have any sort of contact with anybody from the future. That's true. Okay. Could the success of the mission have triggered something in the future that let them know that Ben was still out there? Huh. I mean, that's immaterial to the point I was making, I think. But it is very interesting. Because at the end of the day... I do think he was there to save those people and probably stop the planes from getting shot down, you know? But it's... The whole episode makes you feel like that's what it is, to do something for these people. But that's not what ultimately caused him to leap. It was... We have to surmise what happens to the rest of these folks. It's like God or fate or time didn't care about these whack jobs either. Yeah, that was... That was... I mean... I wish that it had ended just a little differently. At least get them to the... Get them to the chopper. Yeah, get them to the chopper. (laughs) Get to the chopper! At least get them to the chopper. No, that's fair. I think that's fair. But man, I mean, given all the episodes from season one, with the exception of the battleship episode... Yeah. If this were season one, this is like episode two. I would say this is easily top three for me. Yeah. Like easily a top three episode. And you're probably right. I think it would be my second favorite episode of this whole series. Right. I definitely want to go back and watch the, wish I could remember the name of that one, but, um, (laughs) the battleship. How do you know that one? I love so much. Yeah. Our favorite episode of this show. And we don't remember the name of it. Uh, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, but gosh, yeah, good for them. You got anything else before we drop the bombshell of the end of this 
I, I do have one thing. Okay. The title of that episode is SOS. <laughs> oh, well, who's going to remember that shit? I know. <laughs> ABBA fans, probably. Yeah. Okay, I don't feel nearly as bad about forgetting that title. So, great episode with a subpar title. We yeah, say. we got to come up with another title for this episode, too. What was the name of this episode? This episode was titled, This Took Too Long. Which... What? <laughs> that's the title of the episode is This Took Too Long. And so there's a number of levels on which I thought this title worked. One, the writer's strike just ended. And I wonder... <laughs> like, maybe that maybe that's a subtle nod to the writer's strike. Two, like we've been talking about, this feels like the show has found its footing a bit. Like, I really... Uh... It's like, it took too long to finally get through all of the nonsense and get to a point where we can have a show that's like this yeah um, here's hoping but the third thing and that's what we can talk about now is the big revelation in the closing moments of the episode because of course yes this is a real fresh version of the new quantum leap but they're still going to give you that little tease at the end that makes you want to come back next week like oh, oh shit, what the hell's going on right oh and there's no leap in Nope, to the we ne- don't get a teaser for next week. Oh, that's um, weird. Well, see, and that's I love that because then we could look. Instead. We could look at the title of next week's episode and see if we can figure out what it's going to be, <laughs> <laughs> just based on the title. I but, think that we need to rename this episode. Probably. I think that's how the game needs to be. Let's watch the episode and retitle it. <laughs> it's probably the B team, but uh, B is for. I ben. thought it'd be a few good Ben. Oh, that's a good one. You win. That's good. That's pretty good. Yes, I put thought into that. I did I did put thought into that. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. So the missiles have blown up the radio tower. The planes are going to make it. And suddenly a voice says Ben. And Ben turns to find Ian standing there mm-hmm. behind him. We, yeah, Ian as the hologram. Yeah, Hologram Ian is behind him, and Ben, of course, has several questions. Where have you been? Why didn't I leap home? And why do you look so different? Well, I mean, okay, so it's Ian. Ian always kind of tries to change their look up a little bit here, the yeah. and there, you know? Different but, than they normally do. But substantially different. And then comes the... <laughs> I, I, I haven't been, like... I don't want to say my jaw dropped in the same way that it did during Avengers Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I mean, but, it's not that. <laughs> no, it's not that dramatic. Like, like th- my heart sunk at that moment in Avengers Endgame. Here, I was just like, whoa. Ian's response is, Ben, it's been three years. We thought you were dead. Thought he was dead, and Project Quantum Leap has been shut down. He says, everything has changed. Everything has changed, and that's all Ian can say before Ben leaps out. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's remarkable to me. Like, I'm extremely intrigued by this. Yes. And it sounds like they broke everything, and I'm totally here for it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it sounds like it's going to end up being some kind of less structured, guerrilla-style quantum leap headquarters that they're just kind of dealing with um suddenly we have use for janice again (laughs) (laughs) so during the first season uh you know there was the episode where addison was basically exhausted from having spent like a solid two weeks with very little sleep in the imaging chamber helping ben on leaps and we talked about how the implication in the original quantum leap was that Sam could be bouncing around through time for days. Weeks. Yeah, before his signature was triangulated on again and Al could join him on a new leap. Right? Or, or a leap host came into the waiting room. Right. It might seem instantaneous for Sam, but for those back at the project, it could take some time, right? Yeah. And here, we kind of see that happening again, where Ben was just bouncing through time for three years. <laughs> From their perspective. And for Ben, it was instantaneous. Ben leaped out and leaped in, and and this is where we picked up. But from the perspective of those he left behind, 
there was just the longing. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. It's like a very definitive line drawn on the, is the accelerator leaping him? Right. Idea. Back to the saga cell. Right. Exactly. It absolutely is not because... It's an unknown force. Right. It's shuddered. Nobody understands what's happening to Ben right now. So I wonder where is Ian projecting from? Mm-hmm. How did they find him finally? Uh, right. I'm, I'm very interested in all of that and what has changed, right? So this goes back to the longing of those left behind, the 50-50 with Addison, and maybe they're setting something up there. Addison might have moved on. That's my theory. And I would not be surprised at all if this Tom Westfall character is, is the, the new, new boyfriend. Yeah. Ah, ha ha. Yeah. That's yep. that's my he theory. Has, he has ulterior motives of shagging your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Imagine, God, there are long distance relationships and then there's whatever this would be. Right. Yeah. Trying to manage a relationship while uh hopelessly bouncing. Yeah, my from time. guess is because Ian kind of put the emphasis on the fact that they all thought he was dead. Right. Addison thought he was dead, and she's moved on. It's been three years. Everything has changed. These are all words that they used when they described what was going on. And, yeah, I I 100% believe that Addison has moved on. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have leaned so heavily into the, I've got a fiancé, I've got a fiancé. Here yep. are all my flashbacks of how my fiance has helped me with this leap without even being here. Yeah. No, Ben, uh, what you have now is a Canadian girlfriend. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> Kudos to them for delaying our satisfaction on answers. They spent the whole episode just saying, here's a whole story and we'll get to your answers later. The fact that he never leaps back. I guess there was nobody in the accelerator. Now, you you did mention that you feel like the waiting room is out of play again. Well, I, I mean that in the sense that the whole project seems out of play right now. <laughs> yeah, but I wonder, and you know, this is just uh, hoping and crossing fingers. Maybe they all thought he was dead, and then all of a sudden they realize he's not. Because... Maybe a Lee post popped in somewhere. Oh, maybe and so. And they were able to find him because there was a leap post. You know, cross your fingers. I don't Hope th- springs eternal. And hey, maybe the showrunners are also like, let's put right some things that went wrong. Yeah, maybe so. That would be great. It'd be a great theory. The only thing that's really thumbing its nose at us with that is if all our characters in this episode are looking at Ben and seeing Perez... And that landmine, the landmine was designed to feel the weight of Perez. Right. Because, like, Ben is probably a different size than this guy. So if it's one of these consciousness leap situations and it's actually the other guy's body, that's what the landmine seems to suggest. If there's one scene in this episode that you should not overthink, I think it's the landmine scene. <laughs> like, just take it for what it is. Like, you know what? If I ever find myself standing on an active landmine, shit, yeah, I'll give this a shot. How do we know that Bailey weighs more than... Enoch. Yeah, I don't know. But the landmine seems to suggest that he's still in that person's body. But yes, I yeah. would hope that... It's a leap post that allowed them to find him. What if they really did just break everything and now it's just the way it was? <laughs> I do think... That'd be great. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to get answers for, but I do believe one of the answers we will get is how do they find him? Yeah, hopefully. And the reason that Ian is the hologram is clearly Addison would be the hologram if the relationship were the same. Or right. if she were involved. Maybe she's not involved in the project anymore. They'll have to go rope her and bring her back in. Or maybe Ian's doing this all gorilla on their own. You know? I mean, we don't have any answers. No. Yeah. We don't know yeah. anything. And it's great. 
Yeah. In the early episodes of season one, I felt like the show was getting off on just withholding shit. You know? Yeah, but it was never interesting. <laughs> right. I mean, that was the thing. That was the thing. The, the journey getting to those revelations felt secondary to the revelations themselves. Like, yeah. we had a hard time distinguishing A plots and B plots. There is an A plot in this episode. We know what the main plot of this episode is. Yeah, there's really has, no B plot. And it has nothing to do with 2023. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with the leap itself. And, like, that is the first major step in the right direction for making us legitimately want to come back. Now, I don't. I think we don't want to get our hopes up because... Obviously, they're going to have to find room for all those characters because they're all still cast members. I was wondering for most of this episode, are we going to go through a, a chunk of this season where those characters are only appearing via flashback? I don't think that's true anymore. I don't think that they're going to diminish that the relationship thing is going to be a season-long situation. I, I feel very confident that this Tom Westfall guy is the new boyfriend. I mean... Oh, yeah. On that. I would go all in on that. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah, so he's supposedly the new guy in charge of Quantum Leap. Almost certainly Addison's new love interest. And I'm not all that... I'm not... Do I care about this this relationship? I mean... Ben and Addison? Yeah. I kind of do at this point. I mean... I, I like Addison so much. I liked the relationship, but that was the... Tie a bow on it. I don't need it to... Have we seen as much as we need to see of it? You know, knowing that... Maybe. The highest likelihood is that Ben Zong is never coming home. Yeah. Right? Well, I think this show's going to get him home. You, th you think so? I think they'll get him home, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. They'll get they, him like... home and they'll get Sam home too, somehow. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they'll get him home with a giant paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like... I don't know if I need more of that, but I do like them and I buy that relationship and and all okay, like I said, I wasn't sold on the necessity of the flashback, but when I saw Addison on screen, I remembered how much I liked her. I yes. really did end up liking her. It took about a third of the season to actually like her as a character, but yes. I, but I do now. Like when I saw her on screen, I was like, "Oh, there she is." And she's getting fitted with the suit. That's a cool moment to see. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's kind of neat to see this specific moment happening with that specific character. It's subtle, but it feels like she's pretty amped for this. I don't want to call it excited, but it's like she's yeah, proud that's to perform the mission. her duty yeah. here. You know, it's the mission. Well, and yeah. I think she was excited about it. I mean, who doesn't want to be a time traveler? I mean, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, if you never want to come home, actually sounds pretty great. Hmm. I have to think about that. <laughs> this after family night, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I feel like she was primed for the adventure, and he kind of took that from her. You know, yeah. he stole it from her. Really, I guess she's pretty forgiving of that. Honestly, point being, I really came around to liking her quite a bit, and seeing her on screen but it feels very much like ross and rachel oh we've got such a great storyline with ross and rachel here and will they won't they and now they are and that works for a season but we need to break these characters up so that they can be will they won't they again oh yeah and how they, do we they, do that and, they mephisto it yeah right they mephisto it right into oblivion man you might have to explain that to some folks but... you know i'm not going to <laughs> <laughs> For this, they need something to throw a wrench into their relationship. And, you know, this is it. But there are so many other implications. Like, where's magic after three years? Where's, you know, like, do I like Jin now? Who knows? Maybe. It's possible. <laughs> it's all I, up I in the air. The, the flashbacks also served to kind of give us another magic moment and give us a magic Ian moment again, you know? And it gave us a moment to reconnect with these other characters and there's no other way we would have been able to do it in this episode. So yeah. yeah. The last thing, this is one thing I forgot to mention and I want to put it on the tail end here at least is the music in this episode. Yes. Jumping Jack flash, you know, Jumpin Jack flash. really worked. Um, really worked. Yeah. Yeah. 
every needle drop of the music that they used it was right at the right moment for the story, for how you were feeling about the story. Really good use of music. In so they do Jumpin' Jack Flash, they do On the Road Again by Canned Heat. Mm-hmm. Not the Willie Nelson song, the Canned Heat on song. On the Road Again? No. Not that one. Okay, not that one. <laughs> yeah, the needle drops are on point. Yeah. Th- that was something the first season did pretty well, too, I think. None but... of them hit me like this one did. You always seem to mention it. It never got me the way it did you. The one from season one that really got me was the one from the beginning of Stand By Ben, because it was song two by Blur. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned. Um, I remember you mentioning that. So, so yeah, like there were some good needle drops in season one, but this after the Canned Heat song, I was like, wow, that was that was solid. That's good. And then there's a second needle drop later. I'm like, damn, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, nice job, guys. Yeah, I really liked it. This this episode, man, fresh out of the gate, charging out of the gate, no complaints. Yeah. Even the things that I did mention, it's sort of like one more pass at the resolution of the script, and but no real complaints. This was even a then, great yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah, even solid, that. solid hour of television, and it's the sort of thing that if you were watching in season one and you got burnt out on it or you didn't really like it, like the old series, jump back in. Yeah, just jump back in here because the smooth voice of Deborah Pratt gives you all the information <laughs> you need to know just like she's supposed to. Before we begin the profile scan, I'd like to take this opportunity to express my admiration for your selfless attempt to rescue Dr. Beckett. Just like she's supposed to. And again, okay, so talking about Ziggy and having personality, maybe Deborah Pratt being back as the VO at the beginning, maybe we do get a Ziggy with Deborah Pratt's voice later in the season. Maybe we do. Maybe we do. We certainly could, and I I would welcome that. But I also, the little 50-50 flashback scene gave me kind of a hint that they might be giving that computer personality in a different way. Yeah. And that could be fun. That could be interesting, too. Not opposed to that at all. You know what I, I hope they do with Ziggy? I hope they hook one of those dot matrix printers up to it. <laughs> and just occasionally it'll like... And they'll all stand around waiting for Ziggy's response to something, and it says... Huh. Or it's a little drawing of a man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's like a, a dot picture, matrix drawing. It, it's like a picture of a butt made with D's. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um I would love to see Ian build a relationship with Ziggy. I think Ian having a interplay with uh, Ziggy would be really interesting. Oh, for sure. I feel like it's gonna be Jen though. Whatever. They, hey, I, if we'll see what they do with her. If they could give Jen and Ian banter back and forth the way they gave to uh, Enoch and Ronnie. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of here for it. If they could pull it off. I mean, they had a just a little moment. They had a moment yep. in the flashback that I suppose it worked. But even that was sort of like, who are you, Jen? <laughs> are you cynical or are you playful? Are you hard ass or are you caring? She is the personification of that Meredith Brooks song, Bitch. <laughs> you remember? I'm a bitch. I'm a mother. I'm a child. I'm yeah, a lover. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that whole thing. It's like she's everything. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, she's like the Swiss Army woman. I'm every woman. I'm every woman. That was uh, Chaka Khan, right? Or Whitney <laughs> Houston Wait, yeah. did it later, yeah. Uh, at any rate, that gives me pause about Jen being improved upon but we'll see we'll see everything has changed yes everything has changed so it's like brand new the saga cell three years yeah i'm here for it and we didn't even get a tease for another leap so we don't yeah we don't know where it's don't know where it's going from here kind of exciting it's kind of leads me to believe they'll come in with uh, a 2023 It'll start in 2023 next episode. I, I think so, too. Yeah. I think we kind of need to get the perspective from that end of it mm-hmm. a little bit, even though the Addison's boyfriend thing, that's a final moments of an episode reveal. Yeah. Even though I feel like we all know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody but Ben. That poor son of a bitch. Talk about some dramatic irony. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got anything else for this? No, I think that about wraps it up. Yeah. Wow. Fun to be back. It is. And if they can stay at this height. They keep it up. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'll tell you. 
All right, folks. Well, uh, please do uh, subscribe to the podcast if you have not already done so. You can find it on our own feed uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to us on the Paprika feed. Still, if you want to subscribe there, you get a bunch of extra stuff like uh, Cinnamon and the occasional draft. I just lost a pop culture time capsule draft because Paprikans just don't understand the idea of sending messages into the future. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll have to check that out. But if you're wanting to stay up to date with Quantum Leap episodes step by step, we'll have this episode hopefully up Monday morning and every Monday following a new episode of Quantum Leap. Yeah, for at least nine weeks or so. Well, we'll see. <laughs> maybe hopefully, we'll yeah. get a maybe we'll get a bye week. But yeah, we probably will get a bye week in there, and hopefully they'll all sort out the remainder of the. Uh, contract disputes and we'll be able to get some more episodes this season than just the nine that have theoretically been finished already right you can find us on social media if you dare you know what i'm not even gonna say don't even use x or twitter or whatever yeah anymore just forget it it's over musk is running it into the ground you can find me on blue sky though i am at captain burn dot bsky dot social uh, you on Blue Sky yet, Nate? I still don't know what that is. It's basically <laughs> Twitter, but the way Twitter used to be. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, I'm on Threads. That's the Instagram version of Twitter. I'm pretty uh, sure I'm on that. That one, I'm Brian.Lee.Martin on that one. Yeah, let's see what else I use here. Let's just scrolling through here. Um, <laughs> Somebody, please connect with Brian. Yeah, I could really There's use so many I, avenues. I could, I could really use somebody to talk to. <laughs> I, that's about it for me. Yeah, that's it for me too. Well, good luck finding Nate then, guys. Uh, until next time, <laughs> I'm Brian and I'm Nate, and we'll be here in the waiting room.